Thank you for the beautiful music. Um, in keeping with the theme that all these songs reminded us of us today, I wanted to thank you all for your generosity and support of our Christmas hamper program. The kindness that you showed allowed us to really bless 20 families this Christmas. Um, everything was all in. Um, we were able to make sure that they have everything they need for a wonderful Christmas day. So thank you for that um, generosity. Your generosity in general supports everything we do here at Friends Church. Um, and while roadies for the band are probably a little further down the list than they would like, um, everything that we do here is supported by your giving. And we want to just encourage you that uh, if you love what we do here, I encourage you to consider giving, whether it's one time or whether you set a pre-authorized giving so that we can um, plan ahead and make sure that our finances are supporting the work that we do. Um, we really encourage you to take a look and consider blessing us in that way. Um, Christmas is creeping up very quickly on us, whether we like it or not. So a few things to get excited about here at Friends Church. On Christmas Eve, we are going to be having two services, 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. in person. They are going to be by registration only. We have a cap on numbers in this space, and we want to make sure that if you want to come, that you have the opportunity to come. So please uh, go onto our website and register early for that. The Sunday after Christmas, which will be the 26th, um, you will get to enjoy an online-only service in your Christmas jammies with your coffee and Baileys. So there will be no in-person service that day. There will be online only. So again, thank you for your financial support. Um, check out our website for options to give and enjoy the rest of your day. A reading of a poem of our spiritual ancestors from the book of the, the Bible called the Psalms, reinterpreted by Eugene Peterson. What's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have it made, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck. That's what? A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. Doesn't everything sound better with a sexy British accent? <laughs> it's not the only reason I picked him to do that today. We're going to come back, and that's going to make sense at the end of this message. Morning, everybody. Honestly, how are you all doing? <laughs> Um, on Tuesday, you all know Carmen's moving to Costa Rica. He's going to miss all the snow. For all of you who love snow, he's picking the wrong choice. For all of you who hate snow, yeah, I get it, whatever. I'm going to his farewell lunch we're having as a staff. It's in Mission at the Earl's. And I, I, I'm, I live in that area, so I kind of have some secret parking spots. I pulled into this one area. Usually I can find a parking spot. I jump out of my truck whip out my phone to pay for my parking on the parking app. Does anyone use the parking app? So I hop out of my car and I go, okay, my address, blah, 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 got it, perfect. Then my app says, uh, you don't have any funds. 
But there's a handy little button that says, would you like to add funds? Whoever designed this app, thumbs up. So I hit add funds. And as I'm, again, I'm walking down the street doing this, my hands are getting cold. I'm trying to get to this thing on time. And as I kind of look at the corner of my eye, it says transaction failed. I mean transaction failed. Stupid thing. Of course, since the first time I hit add funds, didn't work. I'm just going to hit add funds again, and the second time it'll work, right? Yeah. That'll totally work. Hit the button. What do you mean f- transaction failed? You so I check, okay, it's got my old visa number in it. The new visa number, right? Perfect. I'm dr- walking down the street at minus whatever, my visa card out, trying to type in my stupid number. You know, and it's like things are hitting wrong, and I'm just like, oh, for the... L-. Finally get the number in, boom, okay, good. There we go. Trans- what do you mean transaction failed? <sighs> Transaction fail, transaction fail, transaction fail, transaction fail. I am, I don't even know what's going on anymore. When I came to, I was still walking down the street with my parking app, hitting repeatedly, add frickin' funds, you stupid. And I am cursing a blue streak. Not in my head. Out loud yelling at my phone as I'm walking down the street. Yeah, and all of a sudden I wake up and I'm like, and I'm looking for, you know, the kids in the corner, their parents with their hands over the ears and grandmothers crying and, you know, priests patting, you know, doing one of those next to me. I've completely snapped over the app on my phone. And here's the thing. If y'all are honest with me, Anyone have a similar story? Don't put up your hand, but anyone have a similar story that... Oh, my goodness. It's brutal, isn't it? So, (laughs) for me, it would be what doesn't make me snap, because pretty much everything makes me snap. But what makes you snap? That moment where you come to and you realize you've said something, you you know, in, in your conscious moment, you should never have said... You know, your kid's looking at you with this look and their tears streaming down their faces. You've just like unloaded on them. And you know, you know what I'm talking about snapping? Your colleague. Isn't it brutal? This series has been designed for this moment. We've talked about all these threat memories that we hold deep inside of us. They're not even conscious. They're, they're held as emotions. And something comes up, Boom, the trigger hits, and all of a sudden, we are off to the races. Screaming, yelling, cursing at an app while walking down the street. Because that would help, wouldn't it? If the app designer for the parking app is listening to me right now, first, thanks for the add funds button. Second, if you could have it listening to me, and when I'm starting to get really, really frustrated, just have it magically work, okay? That would help me a lot. What makes you snap? When I snap, I hurt people. And I'm guessing you do too. I talk to people in a way that I don't want to. I say things I wish I wouldn't. Those are the moments where years later I'm still trying to repair the damage I did when I, my brain just goes offline and it's just, I just lose it. 
If Friends Church exists for anything, we're to inspire you, and not all you, but me and you, to make the world around us better. It's simple, right? Screaming at my phone in public is not making the world better. Saying the things that we've said in anger, in moments of dysregulation, not making the world better. And so here's what we're trying to do. And the reason we did it right now is because Christmas, if there's ever a time we're going to snap, you add some family into this whole mix, aye, aye, aye. We don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. It's not good for the people I love. It's not good for me. Have you ever heard of a guy named Gabor Mate? He's one of the researchers in, in trauma. He's got a book says, um, when the body says no. His thesis is this. This kind of stuff hurts the people around us. Yes, that's pretty obvious, right? When your partner's literally crying in front of you, you know you kind of went too far on that one, didn't you? But he says it's actually hurting us. His thesis is this level of stress in our systems makes us sick more, makes us die sooner. So if we want to make the world a better place, our world a better place, if you want to just be a narcissistic, selfish person, it's good enough reason. Don't, this isn't healthy for us. Not to mention the friend church motto of make the world around us a better place. So here's the question I want to wrestle with today, because this is the one that drove me nuts. Why in the world do I do this? Does anybody think screaming at your phone while walking down the street is helpful? Again, the app designer, if you're hearing me, put a thing on the app that fixes that, okay? When we raise our voices, when we say the things that are hurtful, is any of that helping? Does it fix the moment or does it just make it get worse and worse? Now, not only do you have the fight you have with your brother, now you have to deal with the fact that you just said something really mean, but you still have the fight, the thing that caused the fight in the first place. Now you just made it worse. Logically, we shouldn't do this. And yet we do. Why? You'll all be thankful to to know, and I was very thankful to know, it's not our fault. Kind of. We have this thing called the window of tolerance. It's like a stress meter inside of us. If you go over this line, whatever your line is, if you have more stress than that line can handle, your brain actually unplugs the part of your brain that makes you say, maybe I shouldn't scream at that person. You know, morally, I don't think that calling that person that name is really what I want to live, how I live my life. That part that does all that thinking gets unplugged, put in the corner, and the part that just wants to lose it runs your whole life. That feels about right, doesn't it? The part that could stop us from doing the hurtful thing we do, that part gets taken out. And all that's left is the hurt and the pain and the fear. And then we hurt the people we love. We say things we wish we hadn't. Because we go outside of our window of tolerance. And here's the thing. We can't stop our brains from unplugging the rational part of our brains. When we hit that window of tolerance, when we exceed that, it just happens. 
It's a survival mechanism. But here's what we can do. We can deal with what causes us to go over that line. And there's two things that cause us stress. First, the cracks in our foundation, which is why we named this whole series this. It's the core wounds. It's the stuff that we picked up from our childhood. It's the stuff that we use to survive. Jeff's going to talk about them next week, but honestly, you know, not to take his thunder away, these are lifetime projects. Jeff can't come next week and in half an hour be like, hey, all the cracks in your foundation are solved. You have no more wounds. So if that part of our system is fairly set, there's another part of our system that builds on our stress. This is the everyday stress that we hold. This is, my truck wasn't running well. It was kind of cold out. I was running late. Me and my partner hadn't been connecting as much as we should. Work is crazy busy right now. How much do I have to do? You can feel all the stress starting to build inside of me. And then when that app chose to make my life more difficult, and yes, the app did choose that. When that hit that crack in the foundation that drives me around the bend, I exceeded my window of tolerance. My logical brain was unplugged, and I lost it. It's pretty simple. It's not easy to do, though. If we can't change how much stress the cracks add, that's a lifetime project. How do we handle the stress in our lives? And that's what we're here to talk about today. I want to help me first and you all second to not have so much stress that when something happens, we go over the edge. This is why, have you ever noticed this? You're on holidays, you've sat on the beach or ran a marathon, whatever you like to do on your holidays. You're the most relaxed you could possibly be. You've had great sleeps. You just, you know, you slept like a baby. You've had all the recharging you need. You've had good food. Your stomach's full. You're not hangry at all. And someone says that thing that normally drives you nuts, and you're kind of like this. <laughs> but get me at work when I'm under deadline and I'm running late and things have happened and some jackass on the road cuts me off. Sweet mother of everything holy. I am running past that window of tolerance as fast as I can. So how do we lower that baseline amount of stress? This is the toolkit. How does our bodies reduce that level of threat or stress? Because if we can do that, like we're on holidays, we can handle the family gathering with the jackass relative who says that thing that drives you around the bend. You can handle those little things between you and family members and friends. The extra thing that shows up at work, you're like, yeah, I got it. If we can lower our baseline level of stress. And so that's what we're here to do today. So that we don't snap. You in? Willing to try this? We're going to do a whole bunch of airy-fairy stuff. So get your airy-fairy hats on. This is all studied very, very carefully. I'm going to use weird terms, but this is all very well studied. This is not abstract. This is how our brains work. So here's what I want you all to do, if you're okay. Can everyone put their masks on? Our legal team has advised me that I need you all to wear your masks. So put down your coffee for a second. Wear a mask. Okay, before we do this, 
I'm going to get Rod to read once more because I want to set you in. But while he's doing this, here's what I want you to do. Take your fingertips and just rub them together really gently like this. Don't have to hold them up. Just put them on your feet. Toes in your shoes. Rub your toe in the bottom of your shoe so you can feel your toe moving. Just nice and gently while he's doing this. A reading of a poem of our spiritual ancestors from the book of the Bible called The Psalms, reinterpreted by Eugene Peterson. I hear this most gentle whisper from one, one I never guessed would speak to me. They said, I took the world off your shoulders, freed you from a life of hard labor. You called to me in your pain. I got you out of a bad place. What are you noticing as you feel your fingertips? Do you notice your brain starts to move to a different place? If you're sitting here quietly, you can actually shut off all of your body systems and think about that deadline you have next week. Or the thing that's bothering you right now, you can think about that. As soon as we start to move our fingers, what we do is we drive our brain to pay attention to something else. And we calm down a little bit. You can stop if you want, but also you can keep going if you want. Okay, so here I'm going to teach you something. None of this is new. I've talked about all this stuff before. But this is kind of like one of my spiritual teachers. He says, remember that you forgot to do the thing that works. So this is what we're going to remember. Okay, everyone, all the social part of your life has taught you never do this. Look at my belly. We're going to take a deep breath, and what we're going to try and do is push out the lowest part of our belly, like we're as pregnant as we can be. Got it? So like this. Deep breath. Make that belly as fat as you can, like you just ate the biggest food baby of your life. Now, while you're breathing, keep breathing really slow, nice and deep into your belly. Here's what we know. The vega nerve, which is this nerve that kind of, it's the longest nerve in our bodies. It runs down through all of our organs. It's tied into our nervous system that controls our breath. When we breathe to the lowest part of our bellies, we tell the vega nerve, everything's okay. There's no lions or tigers around the corner. And it goes, sends a signal up to your brain that says, you don't have to worry. Stop looking around. Stop trying to figure out what's going to kill you. You're okay. Can you feel the shift as you breathe lower? Now watch me one more. Look, if I breathe like this, into my chest, my upper chest here, your vaginer is also tied to that. And you know what that tells our body? You're about to be eaten by a lion. You can't see the lion, but make sure you look around and find the lion. And so your brain will start to spin and try to look for the lion. And since there's no lion around, but we know there's something wrong because we're breathing like this, your brain will make something up. Now think about walking into a situation where you've been breathing up in your upper chest, not because you don't know any better, but because you want to have a nice flat stomach. You know, your suit's just a little too tight, and so you're like... You've taught your brain now to say there's danger. The first person who walks up to you and says, Hey, Clausen, what? You can feel how that tension adds to their raised tone of voice. And instantly, my threat's going up, my stress is going up, and that window of tolerance is coming in nice and clean. I'm looking right at it going, Oh, I'm about to snap at you. Why are you talking to me like that? How dare you raise your voice? Before you walk into any moment of your life, 
Take a deep breath into your belly. Okay, ninja level breathing now. Deep breath in your belly. Breathe out as slow as you can. Take another deep breath. Breathe out as slowly as you can. Take a listen through the room. Do you notice how quiet it is right now? That's all of our nervous system saying, we're feeling relaxed. We're feeling pretty good. When we breathe out slower than when we breathe in, and if we can even take a little pause at the end of our out breath, what it tells our body is everything's okay, and it balances our nervous system. Instead of being under threat, instead of holding stress, it lets all that go. How do you all feel right now? A little calmer than before? Okay, so we did two things. First, I got you to feel your bodies. You can also scan through your body. (laughs) If you ever sit next to me before I come up on stage, you'll hear me humming. Not because I have a lovely voice. I do not. What it does is it tells me where I'm holding tension. If I come on stage and my voice sounds like this, Hey everybody, I'm Vince. How's it going? (laughs) It's because I'm carrying tension in here and I can't take a deep breath. You know, sound might have gone wrong. Something blew up. We're trying to frantically to get it together. The service comes together at the last minute. And pretty soon you can see I'm carrying all this tension in my chest and I'm breathing into my upper part of my body. And suddenly I'm going. <sighs> you can all feel your nervous system starting to react to mine, right? It's like, yeah, stop it, Vince. When I hum, I can feel how deep and relaxed I can get. <sighs> tells me how relaxed I am in my diaphragm. Okay, I just want you guys to keep breathing or wiggling your toenails. This is your toolkit. You don't have to do what I tell you to do. Figure out what works. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of things. You might not like one. That's okay. Figure out which one works for you. If you feel yourself calming down, that's part of your toolkit. Remember that one. So, breathing deep, breathing out slowly, Rubbing your fingers together, whatever works for you. I want to talk about sleep. Give me two hours of sleep tonight or last night, and I'm a wreck. Anything is going to make me go over the window of tolerance. I will snap at anything. All you parents out there, especially you mums, who seem to be able to function on, I don't even know how you do this. Incredible. Sleep is one of the biggest indicators of whether we're going to go out of our window of tolerance. So good sleep is important, right? Me telling you to have a good night's sleep, for those of you who don't sleep well, is that helpful in any way? So let me teach you something I'm learning right recently. Do you know that alcohol, and I have no problem drinking, I love a good cider. Village cider is my current favorite. I had one last night, probably not my best choice. When we drink alcohol before we sleep, usually somewhere between 6 and 12 hours, it changes part of our sleep cycle. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you have a drink before you sleep, you tend to dream more. 
So it changes part of how your sleep brain works. And the part of your brain that deals with your stress gets turned down quite a bit. What do we do when we've had a stressful night? I deserve a drink. A little something to take the edge off, right? And then that growing stress plus my alcohol-induced sleep now doesn't process my stress properly because alcohol changes how that functions. And so now the next day, I think I feel better, but really what I have is I have the same stress I had before plus whatever's going to come in that day. That did not make me feel good when I read that. I don't know if you've ever read a study and thought to yourself, I don't like that study. I'm going to put that one in the corner. The reality is, that's how our brains work. So I'm not telling you not to drink. Unless, of course, you're an alcoholic, then you already know this way better than I do. But if you're a social drinker, think long and hard. Uh, Do you guys remember Heather Dunphy? She used to sing at Friend Church probably five years ago. Beautiful voice, incredible person. Her and her husband moved to uh, California, had two babies. One's, give or take, a year, give or take, four years old. Two young kids through a pandemic in a city where you have no family, all your neighbors move every six months. Can you imagine what her life has been like for the last couple years? Add to that, her mother's had a stroke in the last six months, and her father, an alcoholic who was sober for 20 years, fell off the wagon. Here she is at home with two kids, Talk about a baseline level of stress. She sent me a note. She said, Vince, I lived in a culture that said, if you're having a rough day, you've earned a glass of wine or two. And so for the last year, my life has been hell. And so two was about the right amount. She said, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even realize what was going on. I just deserved it, right? My life is stressful. My kids are driving me nuts. I have nothing to look forward to. I have no friends. What do you expect? The detriment on her sleep alone, she said, was insane. Halfway through the pandemic, she started to wean herself off alcohol. Six months later, completely dry. She's currently down 30 pounds running a 5K every couple days and feeling the best she's ever felt. I don't know how you're coping with this, whatever your baseline stress is, but alcohol, delicious as it is, doesn't do what it needs to do to lower your stress. Okay, how's the breathing going? Okay, there's a new metaphor. It's called energy. All the woo-woo people use the word energy. We use the word energy when we don't know how to talk about something. So, I want you to do this. Take a deep breath. And as you breathe out, just let the tension slowly come from the top of your head and slowly drain down your body. For those of you who are sitting with your legs crossed, if you don't mind, put your feet flat on the floor. Put your hands kind of dangling down by your sides. And as you breathe out, just let all that tension 
It'll just kind of fade out your hands or it'll fade out your feet into the ground. Can you feel that? If you feel tension, it's okay. Just breathe into it. Give it some love as the saying goes. See if you can just let it soften. A lot of the wounds we carry are held in our body as tension or energy that's stuck. What we can do as we do this stuff is we can breathe and soften them and slowly let some of that energy go. Let it just sink into the ground. I've never done this in public before, so I'm just curious if, if you're open to it. Anyone can feel like tension or stuff that's kind of going on inside of them? Put your hand up if you're okay with it. Anyone can get any of that to move? Did it go towards your feet or did it go towards your hands? So feet, anyone feet? Anyone hands? I'm usually a feet guy, and when things get really bad, I go to my hands. You can see I start to wiggle them. How are we doing on the airy-fairy scale? Are we doing okay? <laughs> Bet you didn't think you were coming to the spiritual gym for this today. But feel your energy now. Imagine someone comes and says that thing that's hurtful. Do you think you could handle it without snapping? Do you have a better chance? When I'm all tied up in knots, man... A bad fart's going to put me over the edge. When I can relax for a while, when I can calm down, get that energy to move, I can hear my voice starting to drop. It's that warm, soft place. Now my wife asks me about that thing that I was supposed to do that I told her I was going to do that I already know that I was supposed to have done and I haven't done it yet. And I'm like, oh, babe, you're right. Totally should have gotten that done. So sorry, not. What? Do you really so busy with him? This is the toolkit. I have one more. This is why I had Rod sing this. There's a word called alexithymia. I should have probably put it on the screen so you could see its spelling. It basically means you're blind to emotions. Now remember how this whole threat system works. We have emotional memories. They're stored in our emotional part of our, our brains. Not the part that uses words, the emotional part but we're blind to them. Statistically, men, we're more apt to be blind to our emotions statistically than women. We don't know why yet. Could be culture, could be physical, but the current studies all point to that. And here's the thing. When our brain's running on just emotional memories, man, our ability to, get to snap goes way up. Because the part of our brain that can control it is offline. But if we can actually name the emotions we're feeling, I'm scared. I'm angry. I feel betrayed. Our brain can actually calm our emotional brain down. Isn't that cool? I love this part. Saying out loud the name of the emotion will lower the impact of the stress of that situation. 
Alexithymia is the disease that says, I can't do that. But most of us don't have a disease. <laughs> we just don't use that muscle. When me and Rod were talking about the Psalms probably a couple years ago, I was like, I freaking hate the Psalms. It's a book of the Bible. I hate that one. And Rod's like, oh, I'm loving it. I'm reading through it right now. It's great. And I'm going, that's the worst book ever. But if Rod likes it, in that sexy British accent of his. So I started studying it. And then what I realized is, what about this? What if our spiritual ancestors knew this alexithymia thing long before we did? Before we had science and we could study it and figure it out. What if they knew that when you can articulate what you're feeling, the energy of the stress of that feeling drops? And so what did they do? They got their best poets and lyricists together and said, we want you to create incredible works that speak how we feel. And we're going to train our people to be able to name what they're feeling. To combat alexithymia. To calm our brains, to lower our stress so that we don't snap. As Rod reads this last one, I want you to imagine what emotion you have. Before you come up, just come up here, Rod, for a second. Uh, Peter, can you throw up the slide for me of the uh, Wheel of Emotions? If you're anything like me, you're not super good at this. This is the cheat sheet. If you have your phone and you want to take a picture, do not be embarrassed. It's gold. This basically, the inner part of this thing kind of gives you the, the overall emotions. It's kind of the, <laughs> the rough kind of nailing in, I'm angry, that's about as much as I can do. The ones on the outside get it even more, so disgust, no, I'm bitter, I'm disappointed, I feel resentful. You see, even as we say these words, you can feel there's this depth to them. What it's doing is part of your brain is telling your other part of your brain, I hear you, I see what's going on for you. And it calms us down. I feel scared, I feel threatened, I feel alone, I feel lonely. As Rod reads this last psalm, I want to encourage you just to sit with that psalm and ask yourself what emotion is the lyricist feeling? A reading of a poem of our spiritual ancestors from the book of the Bible called the Psalms, reinterpreted by Malcolm Vite. My Saviour's words of welcome, all is well. Was that just some false dream I used to have? I tremble once more on the brink of hell. Soon I'll be weeping in its lowest pit. The grave would be a kinder place than this. The dead forget, but I remember and I grieve for all that I have lost. The green leaves shed and stripped from me. My lovers and my friends all torn away. Just emptiness and dread are my companions now. No one defends or speaks for me. Lord, I have cried to you and you say nothing. Empty silence rends my heart in pieces. There is no one who can find me now, for who could ever know this agony unless they felt it too? Anyone resonate with those words? What's the psalmist feeling there? 
Hey, Peter, can you throw up the picture of the, or the emotions again when you have a second? Just say it out loud. What's the feeling they're feeling? Despair. Alone. No one's got my back. I've been betrayed. Can you see or feel those words applying to moments of your life right now? Part of your toolkit is to name what you're feeling. Give it words. Sometimes I'm so bad at this, I can feel there's something stuck in me. I'm on edge, snapping at everybody, and I can't. It's a thing keeps going through my brain, a situation, a moment, a story. I have to reach out to my counselor and say, can you just sit with me and help me? And it's fascinating. She'll go through and she'll be like, tell me the story. Tell me the story. And, she'll, and she'll say, what are you feeling? And I'll say it and say it. And then all of a sudden, we get to the right word and I say, I feel this. Boom. And it's just like, oh. usually I start bawling. And that thing that's stuck in me, that's creating that stress, that's pushing me over my window of tolerance and causing me to snap over and over again, starts to drain out. Dan Siegel says this, you name it to tame it. I like that line, huh? If you can't name it, you can't tame it. As we end today, I want to encourage you to go through what we did today. I had you touch, get in touch with your body get you out of your brain into your body. I had you breathe in a bunch of different ways. Big, fat, pregnant belly breathing. I had you think about your sleep cycle as it relates to alcohol. I had you think deeply about alexithymia, your ability to name what you're feeling as a way to calm that feeling down and lower your stress. Because baseline stress plus the cracks in our foundation, if that goes over that window of tolerance, you will snap. You can't stop it. I will snap. Jeff will talk about the cracks next week. It's a lifetime of work. But you all have a toolkit now. Before you walk into your next stressful moment, your next party, your next event, your next thing that's caused, you can already feel, oh, Do the thing that works, whatever it is for you. Because if we can lower our stress, we can limit the amount of snapping we do. And we can literally make this world a better place because of it. Amen? Let's do this. All right. Before you sneak out of here this morning, I have one more ask for you. So these... When you're watching a television show, it could be one that's made up, a drama, it could be a documentary, and you see people running to a fire, people running to help people, um, people running to, to pick things up. I often think, who are those people? What are they doing? I would never run into a fire, or at least I don't think I would. These are the heroes around us, and at Friends Church, the staff of our church are our heroes. 
now I'm going to cry, and that is going to stink. However, I'm going to get through it. Um, every year, and this year is no different than last year or the year before, people run through struggles, have difficult times, are trying to figure stuff out. I feel like the last two years has really brought that to the surface. And I think that there are times that we can all look at and think about whether it's been an email that you got from somebody, Jeff, Vince, whether your kids got, went downstairs for the first time in like a year and had an experience with other kids, whether it was switch and they came home from something jazzed, whether it was the fact that we are not spending more money than we actually bring in thanks to the good work of our bookkeepers. Or maybe it wasn't any of those specific things, but instead you showed up on Sunday, whether virtually or here in person, and the message just totally rung true. Those are the heroes that we have. And so, at this time of year, we do a staff offering to say thank you. And so this morning I would ask you, even though Emily already really asked you to support the church, I would ask you to support and thank our staff for the work that they've done this year to make this place better for us, to let us be better in our communities. You can do that in a number of ways. You can go to the online giving through the app. There's a staff offering that you can do there. There's a black box at the back of the church. If neither of those things work for you, um, both Jeff and Vince are kind of weird about this because it's for them, um, reach out to me, reach out to Vince, reach out to Jeff, and we'll figure out a way to make that work in order to allow us to say thank you to our staff in a very tangible way. And I say all this and I appreciate that this is not in the cards for everyone. And that does not mean you are not thankful. And that those emails and those letters, they mean as much as well. But for those of us who are able to give this season, I would ask that you think about it and turn to the staff offering for this season. Thank you so much. I get to say goodbye this morning because Vince hates being here when I make this ask, and so he is trundled off out of the room. So thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, and we look forward to seeing you next week.